acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, putting our baby Sam uh, to bed, and Lydia, our four-year-old, was, was with me. And as I laid Sam down in the crib, I just said to him, uh, Sam, God, ha- God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And I turned to Lydia, and I said, isn't that right, Lydia? And she nodded solemnly, and yes, that's right, Daddy. And then as we're walking out of the room, she turns to me and says, Dad, what's the plan? <laughs> What's the plan indeed? Um, Whenever I preach on Sundays like this when we have our annual meeting, it would be nice for me to stand up here and say, here is God's detailed plan for our church. Here is our strategy over the next year or so, and here are the benchmarks to make sure that we're on track with this strategy. But alas, I don't have a detailed plan or strategy. And we're going to do some of that as a vestry this year We're going to plan and we're going to strategize. But you know, God has given already in the pages of the Bible a plan for his church. And we could turn to several different places in the New Testament to look for that. But I want us to turn to what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is just going to be a simple message about God's plan for the church this morning. God's plan to grow the church. And ultimately, the plan is to grow us up together in Christ. That is God's plan for his church, to bring us to maturity in Christ. And so let's look at the steps of God's plan, God's growth plan for the church, as the Apostle Paul writes here in Ephesians chapter 4. First of all, it starts with the word of God. God's word is the seed that begins the growth. God's word is the food that sustains the growth. Everything starts and is sustained by the word of God. And so God calls and gives people to proclaim his word. And we see that in verse 11. The risen Christ, Paul is talking about here, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Each of these roles has to do with proclaiming the word of God. You know, the apostles, of course, were called by Christ and sent out by Christ to teach his word and to carry on his teachings and, of course, to write the Gospels as we, as we have it now in the pages of Scripture. And so the apostles were called in a unique and special way to carry on the word of Christ. And we stand as New Testament Christians on the foundation that these apostles laid. Our word of Christ is to reflect the apostolic word of Christ. And whenever we depart from that, we've departed from what Christ has laid down as a foundation. And so we stand on the apostles who teach us the word of Christ and we have the word in Scripture to follow as a foundation. So he gave the apostles and the prophets, those who were empowered by the Spirit of God to 
to proclaim the word of God into a contemporary situation and even to predict what God is going to do in the world. And then the, you have the evangelist. And those, of course, are people who are gifted in sharing the word of God with those who haven't heard. With people who are not yet in the church, not yet part of the body of Christ. So the evangelist are sort of the midwives of the church, if you will. They, they help to bring new life into the church. And without evangelism and without evangelists, the, the church begins to wither and shrink up and die within a generation or two. But God, help us to be more evangelistic and may God bring us people with these gifts, the gift of evangelism. Evangelists share the word of God with non-believers. And then as non-believers come into the church, they need to be shepherded and taught. And so there's that pastoral role at the end of verse 11. The shepherds and the teachers. So the pastor is to care for the people, shepherd the people with the word of God. And by reflecting in the, in the pastor's care for the flock, the love of God. And then to build up the body through teaching the word of God. So it all starts, this growth starts with these gifts that have to do with the word of God because the word is the seed and the word is the food and the word gives the growth and the word sustains the growth. It makes all the difference in the world that God speaks. Go back to Genesis 1. There was darkness, but then God spoke and there was light makes all the difference in the world that God, we serve a God who speaks. God speaks hope into a hopeless situation. That, that came home this week as I was conducting a, fu a funeral. To hear the word of God, to hear the word of Christ say, I am the resurrection and the life. Of course, this is the one, Lord Jesus, who raised Lazarus from the dead. And to have that hope at a gravesite makes all the difference in the world. The word of God changes the situation. The word of God brings hope. The word of God brings wisdom. And how we need wisdom in our world today. The psalmist says that he gives wisdom to the simple. That is, God gives wisdom to the simple through his decrees. God reveals himself. How would we know God if God had not spoken? God reveals himself, communicates himself through his word, written and supremely in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. So everything hinges on and begins with and is sustained by the word of God to grow the church and to grow us up as a fellowship, as a body of believers. And that's why as a church we, we prioritize the word of God. We gather around the word of God. Our liturgy is filled with scripture, not just to, to read in a formalistic way, but to allow it to shape and and, and soak into our lives. That's why we gather around the scripture at, at Bible study. And with, stu with, with small groups. That's why we encourage one another with the word of God. Because that is the starting point, And that's what sustains growth in the church. So that's the, first, that's, the, that's the first step in God's plan for the church. Is a church that values and loves and treasures and shares this word. Second step, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. 
That is to get everyone involved in the work of ministry. The pastor teacher's role is to do that equipping work. See, the proclamation of the word of God from a pastor or from a teacher in a church is not an end in itself. It, it is to equip the saints to do work of ministry. The message paraphrases it this way, that the pastor teacher is to ta train Christians in skilled servant work. To train Christians in skilled servant work. So this is part of my role as a pastor is to equip the saints for this work of ministry. Skilled servant work. Uh, I have a quote here that says, Too often the church functions this way. Too often the local church functions like a pyramid with the pastor perched precariously on its pinnacle like a little pope in his own church while the laity are arrayed beneath him in serried ranks of inferiority. Well, that's not the model of the church that Christ has given us or the apostle is talking about here with the pastor perched precariously on the pinnacle. That's kind of hard to say, but I got it out. No, we're all in this together. And the um, pastor is the trainer, the equipper, and each member of the body of Christ has a role to play. Here's another image. Um, it's not uh, original with me, but another image I've come across of the church. You know, in some churches, and especially in small churches, the church can be like a, uh, like a corner store, a small corner store with just one employee, the owner employee, and that's it, and the, the owner-employee runs the show. Uh, in larger churches, the, the church can function like a department store with numerous staff, and, and there the, the, the pastor's like a manager or CEO. But the biblical model is the pastor is, is, a, is a coach. The pastor is working together with a team. He's an active captive, captain coach. So bringing everybody on board, ministering together to build up the body. And that means that ministry is not just what takes place here on Sunday morning, obviously, for an hour, an hour and a half or so. Ministry is not what takes place, just what takes place here and within the walls of the church. Ministry happens in families and in neighborhoods and in schools. It happens as we develop relationships with one another and we speak God's word to one another and build each other up with the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look at verse 15 there in Ephesians 4, you can see that Paul talks here once again about speaking the truth or the, the word of God in love. And that's not just the role of the pastor. This is for the entire body of Christ speaking to one another, each member speaking the truth in love. And that's how we will grow up in him who is the head of the church. So that kind of ministry, that, that's you know, called every member ministry. Every member has a ministry. And that kind of ministry is what we aim at. And, and that's, what, that's happening here. It already is happening here. We just want to strengthen that and keep prioritizing that and keep focused on that. And as a pastor, I need to, to keep focusing on equipping. And I am going to work on that more this year. That is one of my plans and goals is to work on this area of equipping the saints. 
but it's already happening here. Every member ministry. It happens in small groups. We have various small groups that meet together around God's word and pray for one another and care for one another. Uh, we have members who are involved in, in counseling women in the community. Uh, it happens when one member sees that another member is hurting in the body of Christ. Maybe they haven't been to church in a while and they pick up the telephone and they call just to say, how are you doing? And to encourage them. How can we help you? That kind of stuff is happening already. It happens, this kind of every member ministry happens in homes when families gather around the word of God and moms and dads teach their children the scripture and pray for one another. So it's happening now and we want to strengthen that and encourage because this is what Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, will grow the church when every member is functioning in this way and we all have a role to play. And so then let's look at the results of this. First, it starts with the Word of God, sustained by the Word of God. Every member in the body of Christ has a role to play here and a gift and can speak the truth in love to one another. And then let's look at the results. Now, this kind of, uh, what, what, the results that are happening here that Paul says will happen as we do this, they can't be quantified or measured. Look at what he talks about here. Um, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. We are unified uh, around the fundamental beliefs of what it means to be a Christian. Unity is one of the outcomes of this kind of spiritual growth and discipleship. Knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Christian maturity, knowing Christ, growing up in Christ to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What an ideal, what a goal to reflect more of the character and the stature of Christ as individuals and as a body, corporate. Growth in discerning truth from error, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. As we grow spiritually and in maturity in Christ, we can discern more readily truth from error. Growing up into Christ, he talks about, who is the head of the church from whom the whole body, verse 16, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? In love. And again, these are things that really can't be measured and quantified. You can't get this down on a stat sheet, that there's more unity, that there's more discernment, that there's more people reflecting the character of Christ, and that people are acting more loving to one another. That is something that can't be measured and counted. And one of the things that we have to do, and, and I'm speaking primarily to myself because I think church leaders uh, are in danger of this more than anybody else, is trying to measure what's happening by things that can be counted. How many people are coming? How much do we have in the budget? How big is our building? And we, we measure our success by those sort of goals and benchmarks. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that we as a church have experienced that kind of growth. It is important. It does count for something. But it's not the primary thing. The primary thing is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Spiritual growth and discipleship. And that's what we're aiming for. You know, um, 
You can produce numerical results as a church. If you have the talent and you have the resources and you have the money, you can make a church grow by gathering a crowd. And we, we know this, I think. You know, I, I've, I've, I've seen different gimmicks that churches have used to get people in the door. Maybe you've heard about some of those things. Raffling off a Cadillac Escalade on Easter morning. That really happened in the church. People will come. You can gather a crowd that way. I know a pastor who uh, preached his sermon while running on a treadmill. <laughs> Talking about running the race. That would shorten up the sermons here, I think. Quite a <laughs> and I, I'm not disparaging those attempts to re I know the heart is right to reach new people. But you can't make disciples that way and build people of spiritual character. That stuff can't be measured. But when people come into a community where that kind of thing is happening, where there's deep unity and there's love and there's maturity and there's people serving one another, they will see it, they will recognize it, and that will attract them, not just to the church, but to Christ, who is the head of that kind of church. So that's what we're aiming for. And as we do that, let's remember the promise of Christ from our gospel reading that he is the one who is involved in building his church. I will build my church, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, as you go out into the world, as you seek to live this life of Christ into our difficult and dark world, the gates of hell will not be able to hold back the light in the kingdom of Christ. It will make a difference. Let me close with this uh, image. This is one of my favorite images of the church. I think I've shared this before with you, but I, I really appreciate this image. Richard Halverson, who was a pastor of a large church in Washington, D.C., uh, Fourth Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., and he was the chaplain to the U.S. Senate at one time, uh, was traveling back to Washington, D.C. on a plane, and um, it was dusk, and he's flying into Washington, and he wanted to see the church that he pastored. So they, it just happened that the, the plane is flying over where his church is located, Fourth Presbyterian Church in Washington. And so he you know, pressed his nose against the window to get a glimpse of the church building. But to his disappointment, the church was shrouded over in shadows because of just the way the angle of the sun was and the other buildings. He could not see his church. It was shrouded in shadows. So he just leaned back and took in the skyline. And then, of course, he saw... You know, the glow of the Capitol building and the lights of the Labor Department and, and how the White House was lit up. And then he started thinking about members of his church who were working in those buildings and who were living in those neighborhoods that he saw. And he had sort of an epiphany and he even said it out loud. There's Fourth Presbyterian, startling the passenger next to him. That's, that's where the church is. It, it, it's in the offices and in the neighborhoods and in the homes and in the schools as members who have been formed by Christ in community share the light of Christ with the world. Yes, we gather together. Gathering's important to worship the Lord, but then we're sent out to be the church. And we all have a role to play in spreading the light of Christ. So let's commit to growing this church God's way. And then the details will kind of take care of the rest. And that's, that's what I said to Lydia afterwards. I said, you know what? I don't know the details that God has in store for Sam, 
but I know that he's called to be a person who loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength and love his neighbor as himself. And God will take care of the details if he pursues that. And that's what I'm getting at here. We have this general outline. Let's follow that and let God take care of the details. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the direction that you give us in your word to be your people. And we thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ, who has purchased us with his own blood and who has promised to build a church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Help us to stand on these promises and on your word as we pursue your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.